Welcome to an emergency podcast. Uh, welcome, Effers. Today, I'm joined by Mike Miracles. This is Zebo, and he's down and still at the Quality Inn with a bunch of gnat bites. Uh, he played. Did you play softball today? Is that what it was? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty disgusting. It's pretty disgusting down here. Yeah. Now, where in Alabama are you at? Can you say legally where you're at? Yeah, I am in Eufaula, Alabama. If uh, if you're familiar with the eastern Alabama border with Georgia, uh, really nothing. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not. I I know a little bit about Eufaula, but I mean that sounds like is that the place that they had uh, with that podcast. Um, Oh, what was that podcast by the guy, uh, by the guys who did Serial or whatever? Uh, Stump Town, oh. Slut Town. Oh, uh, Shit Town. Shit Town. Is that is yeah. you follow Shit Town? Uh, it's not, but it might as well be. Gotcha. Okay, so Mike, you've been kind of out of pocket today, off air. I uh, filled you in a little bit on what happened with Taylor Lewan. This is why we are doing this uh, this emergency podcast. Uh, Taylor yeah. wants suspended for the first four games. He is going to try and appeal, but the letter of the law, it's black and white, and we'll get it to the into that side, the NFL side slash the personal side for Taylor uh, and for NFL players on our podcast next week. But tonight, I think that since that topic has probably been beaten to death, we need to go a different route. So let's talk about how this affects the team for training camp. Training camp is this weekend. It's it's sort of good news as far as the timing goes, correct? Would you be of that opinion? Uh, I mean, you'd rather know now than know right before the season started, but it is it is kind of tough. I mean, it, one, one of the first things to bring up here is actually the roster. So this, this kind of screws the Titans out of a roster spot. Because they're going to end up probably having to keep an extra offensive lineman that they otherwise wouldn't have uh, because Lawan is going to be suspended for those first four games. And unlike an injured player, he is going to take up a roster spot for those games. So it's not like the pup list or IR or anything like that. He is going to be one of the 53 on the roster. Um, and so that means one less spot for one of those guys trying to make the back end of this team. So that's that's one of the immediate uh, impacts that I think of as, as training camp starts. Um, I would say probably the most important thing, obviously, is who is going to fill in at that left tackle spot. And my assumption would be that it'll be Dennis Kelly. I think this pretty much locks in that you're going to have Dennis Kelly starting at left tackle and Jack Conklin at right tackle for the first four games. Um, and then we'll see kind of, you know, see how those guys do and whoever's playing better may end up taking the right tackle job for the rest of the year. But um, I would guess Dennis Kelly, You, what do you think? Well, I, I was kind of the assumption that maybe Dennis Kelly, I mean, it is four games and I know that he's filled in on the right tackle spot. How different is the right tackle from left tackle? Is this going to be an easy switch for him? Or should they look at someone like Tyler? Uh, I know he says his name is Merritts, but spelled Mars. Uh, right. Someone like Tyler Mars, who filled in admirably in the Houston Texans game. At so left tackle. I think it's going to be, I really think it's Kelly. Uh, I, I think Kelly's a much, much, much better player than Merritts. Um, and I. 
Kelly is probably more of a right tackle than a left tackle, but I know he's played left tackle uh, before for the Titans when Lawan's been out before uh, over the last couple of years. So, in, I mean, they were relatively relatively small sample sizes, so I can't really say that he's a, you know really a great performer at that spot, but we know what he can do at right tackle. Um, I think he'll at least be competent. Uh, he's not going to be a, a total disaster over there, but it, it's all—it's going to change the way the Titans have to block people. I mean, Lawan was the guy that you could leave alone and slide protection away from, and now you're you're kind of without that guy. So I think we're going to be—we're going to see this offense really handicap those first few weeks, probably keeping a lot of tight ends into block, uh, running backs chipping on the way out, that kind of thing. I, I think you're going to really have to help the tackles um, with Lawan out. Now, uh, Alan Bell at Alan Bell 247, uh, he put out a bunch of information today. Really good information that was that's pretty neutral as far as takes go. But uh, talking about the difference between Kelly and Lawan, we faced the Browns, Colts, Jaguars, Falcons. What is... Beside, is athleticism the biggest difference between those two, and how important is that going to be against those four teams? Yeah, I think it's definitely athleticism. Luan is the one of the three best athletes in the NFL among offensive linemen to me. It, you know, him and Trent Williams and Lane Johnson are it, really in a class by themselves, in my opinion. Um, and you know, you look at the schedule and you see guys like Miles Garrett on there, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, um, even guys like uh, Vic Beasley, who, you know, Vic Beasley has really kind of fallen off since his season where he led the NFL in sacks. He's only had like four or five sacks uh, every other year of his career. But his speed off the edge is going to be the type of guy that gives Dennis Kelly some problems. So, um yeah, I think the athleticism is the biggest drop off. Kelly's, I mean, Kelly's frankly a more powerful uh, blocker probably than Lawan is, um, and he's got a ton of length, so he he absolutely can play tackle. It's just a very different uh, type of type of athlete playing tackle. Well, let's let's talk about what this decides on the line. Uh, so a lot of people were under the impression that Kelly could take Conklin's job. Uh, in training camp, Conklin could move to guard. That's basically all thrown out the window, right? I mean, at this yeah, point, that's off the table. Uh, you can't even – can you practice in training camp for that enough to where you can make that kind of a decision? Or is this pretty much that you have to practice Kelly as much as you can in the left tackle spot? I, I think you've got to give Kelly as many reps as, he, as you can at left tackle. And – Frankly, I think the whole idea of moving Kelly or Conklin in to the guard, the right guard spot was always a long shot, um, in my opinion. So I think this just makes it even less likely. I, I think it pretty much slams the door on, on that idea. I think you're going to have either Pompeo. And, you know, Pompeo is actually one of the other guys that I don't think he will end up moving to uh, to tackle, but he could if you needed him to. Um, so I, I would expect him to start at right guard. I would expect Conklin to start at right tackle, and I would expect Kelly to be at left tackle. And I think that's about as, as much of a lock as it can be. So 
I'm going to throw something out there because if I remember correctly, if I recall correctly, Nate Davis, was he a left tackle last year for Charlotte? He was a right tackle. He was a right tackle. So I was going to ask if, do you think that he is a dark horse candidate to fill in that tackle slot, or do you think that's just probably way out of his depth? I think that's way out of his depth. I I would actually say the dark horse guy would be Aaron Stinney. Um, Stinney is a guy that played left tackle in uh, in college. Um, They've been, I think they see him more as a guard, but he's got decent length. He's got good athleticism. I think he might be a dark horse guy, and he could be a guy that they look at and say, okay, well, Stinney can give us some depth at tackle. Like if we had to put him in in the second half if Dennis Kelly got hurt, it's not going to absolutely destroy the game. Um, So I I think Stinney might be the dark horse more so than Davis. Well, let me say this. Huxley disagrees. You probably can't hear him because you're on the phone. But ever since you mentioned Aaron Stinney, he has been barking and huffing like crazy <laughs> over on the chair. He's a, we, he's a stinny stand. Yeah, we have not heard uh, from Huxley in a while. So, I mean, I don't know what it is about Aaron Stinny, stinny but it's got him really riled up. He, he gets him fired up. Okay, let, let's let's break down some, get some good topics in here about, does this give Marcus a valid excuse for a poor start? I don't think so. I, I mean, Listen, it, it's because you know the Marcus stands are probably licking their lips behind a tree, like, oh yeah, this is it. This is the excuse I can use. <laughs> you know, I, I I think people will point to that if if there's sack issues early. And look, it's not going to be easy to deal with Miles Garrett. It wasn't going to be easy to deal with Miles Garrett when Taylor Lewan was healthy. Um, and you know, Taylor Lewan has had the number of Ngakwe for the Jaguars. I think those would be the two guys that that scare me the most, but you know, Justin Houston's not, not a slouch either on the Colts in week two. So I, you know, I don't think it's an excuse though. Look, I mean, Taylor Lewan is very important. Yes. And he's a much better tackle than Dennis Kelly, but Dennis Kelly is not, it's not like sticking, uh, what was the guy's name? Will Spitek. It's not like sticking Will Spitek out there. Right. I mean, he's, he's a competent NFL tackle. And you only need him for four games, and it seems to be that everybody falls in love with Kelly because when he does fill in, he plays really great. I mean, now, I've seen people say that he can start on a majority of uh, NFL teams to be an above-average starter. I I don't know. The problem with Kelly is that you don't know how over 16 games he will be, but we only need him for four. Right? I mean, right now, that's all we need him for. So, how does this affect, besides possibly pressure, how else will this affect the passing game in particular? And we'll get into the rushing game right after this. I I think you're going to have to, kind of like I touched on earlier, I think you're going to have to have probably more 12 personnel. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, I think you're going to see fewer passing targets downfield. I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, maybe two and three man route combinations instead of the four and five uh, that you might see if you were more confident with uh, uh, the left tackle over there on an island. I think I think that's going to be the main adjustment. And, you know, it's not like 
the team can't win like that. We've seen them win like that. That was basically Mike Malarkey's offense in 2016 when, you know, the Titans had their best offensive year in the past decade. Um, so it, that can be effective. It's just other teams are going to know that that's kind of where they're going to be headed, I think. So it'll be it's – a, it's a challenge for Arthur Smith right out of the gate. We'll, we'll get to find out uh, a little baptism by fire for him. How will this affect Derrick Henry? Greg Cassell uh, was on the Midday 180 today, and he commended, and he kind of he kind of gave a half-ass uh, backpedal on his earlier Henry assessment, saying that he yeah. may have been wrong. But it, it you know, it, it's probably hard for him to admit that he's wrong. He's been doing this for I think 40 years or something like that. Right. But he he talked about the vision that Derrick Henry developed, you know, midway through the season. And his reads. And we touched on that, which got released today on our YouTube channel, the I'm an Idiot, talking about outside zone runs, and how important Lawan was to that, and how great Derrick Henry is at zone runs, and how he became effective. How is this going to affect that? Is it more, uh, more important than ever for Derrick Henry to really start off strong with the same visions and reads that he had to end the year. Oh, absolutely. I, I think this puts more pressure on Henry being that guy. Um, and, and while Lawan is an excellent run blocker, I think he's probably more of an asset in the passing game than he is in the running game, at least compared to Dennis Kelly. Dennis, Dennis Kelly is a massive man. I mean, he's what, six foot eight, 320 something pounds. And he will maul. He will maul on uh, on on run calls. So, I I think the Titans will still be able to have some success running the football as long as Henry picks up where he left off. Where he left off. And frankly, it shouldn't be that surprising that Henry got better as the year went on. This was, uh, you know, the first time on the Titans running in a really zone heavy scheme. And those things take a while to fill out. I mean, you just got to get to the point where you have a feel for your offensive linemen, your offensive linemen have a feel for you and how you're going to read things. It's a very choreographed and, and you have to be in lockstep uh, as an offense to really be effective on, on zone runs. And I think that's what you started to see late. And if that carries over, um, you could see the Titans, you know, lean on the running game and, and maybe get away with uh, a, a little less uh, exposure in the passing game. If this, if this was any other coaching staff, would you have more worries? Because this feels like – this is like nothing. Currently, knock on wood, this is nothing compared to what they went through last year for a string of games. Do you feel like they're just like, okay, we're, we're pissed off about Taylor, and we'll talk about that why on the next podcast, but we're pissed off about Taylor, but we can handle it. Do you kind yeah. of feel that's a sense in the building that you would that you would perceive to be? I would say so. I mean, if you look at last season, Lawan missed half of the Dolphins game with the concussion. Uh, he then he, he then missed the entire uh, Houston game. He missed the second half of the Bills game, and he was really you could tell he was less than one hundred percent for the Ravens game. So, yes, they're going to have some some issues, and they're going to have to adapt for that. But they they're used to adapting for that. They've done it before. Um, you know, obviously you'd like to see him do it more successfully because the offense wasn't exactly, uh, putting on a show in any of those performances, but, um, 
I think they at least have something to fall back on as far as, okay, this is how we want to attack that. Or maybe they learn from what they did last year and adjust to try something different. Okay, so let's let's kind of break down the first four games that he's going to miss. We're talking at Browns, Colts, at Jaguars, at Falcons. And I got this information from Alan Bell, who uh, said that the Browns were 22nd in sacks last year, the Colts were 19th, and the Jaguars and Falcons were tied with the Browns at 22nd apiece as well. We know Ngakwe's holding out. Knock on wood, hopefully that contract never gets resolved. Uh, we got Miles Jack, Justin Houston, who's probably a little up there. And then we have Vic Beasley. Are missing Lawan, and let's say it's just Lawan is the only person missing from these first four games. Is there do you think there he has a do you think he affects the win totals? I mean, Vegas would tell you that it's very unlikely that Lawan being out actually affects the win total for the season because outside of quarterback, almost no position player in the NFL will, will affect the win total more than like maybe half a game. I mean, that's it. And even for superstars, I mean, it could be Julio Jones out and they would adjust the win total down maybe half a game. Um, so I think Vegas would tell you no. You know, obviously, does this decre- decrease the Titans' chances to win? You know, all four of those games. Of course, it does. But I don't know that it's. I mean, he's one of eleven guys on offense. Uh, if the other ten and Kelly are are executing at a acceptable level and and playing well, I think you can get by for a few games without him. I, the, the game I'm most worried about is the Browns, though. That, yeah, that is the the front that scares me. I I was looking at the schedule before Lawan two and two, uh, maybe three and one, and I thought that maybe three and one could happen forty five percent, two and two was fifty five percent. So that's pretty yeah. close. And now I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, I think two and two is more likely. I think yeah. is how are you looking at that schedule before Lawan and now after hearing about Lawan? I, I think I was probably a little bit more pessimistic than you on that. I, I was I was hoping for two and two out of this first four games. I, I think the four, first four is really tough because the Browns, yes, they're probably a little bit overrated, but that that front is no joke. And I do think Baker may the a good quarterback. And there's going to be a, a crazy buzz in Cleveland for that opener. Um, and then, of course, the Colts, you know, the Titans, obviously, the record with Andrew Luck. We don't have to go through that again. Uh, Jaguars, I don't think they're going to be that great, but that defense is always tough. And then the Falcons, I think, are going to be one of the bigger bounce-back teams in the NFL this year. I, I think the Val- Falcons are going to be a really tough out, especially uh, on the road in Atlanta. Um, I, I think the Titans would be thrilled with 2-2 two and two if they could – survive this four game uh, suspension with a two and two record and make it to the back 12 games with that. I would say my expectation is one and three, which isn't great, but uh, I mean, it, this is a tough slate and being without one of your best offensive players, you know, is going to make it that much tougher. Well, if the Titans start out one and three, what is going to be the reaction to the coaching staff? Because I mean, this uh, yeah, it's a tough schedule, but still, you you hope that 
Taylor Lewan and one and three, you almost you almost want to hope that our defense just shits the bed, right? I mean, you kind of like don't want our offense to be the reason that we start off one to three with this fan base and with this team. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, you know, if the offense sputters out of the gates, it's it's going to throw up a panic flag for all Titans fans. I mean, really, you need you need the offense to come out and start putting up, you know, at least 20 points a game, you know, maybe throw a couple 30s out there just for fun. Um, you'd love to see them hit the ground running this year and really kind of inspire some confidence because if they're coming out and choking out, you know, a 15 to 12 win uh, early in the season, even a win like that is going to be, you know, a little bit concerning for Titans fans with this offense and its track record. Now you're still going Saturday, correct? To training camp? Uh, I'm going to try to. Okay. So if, what do you expect to see from this offensive line unit? I mean, are you pretty sure? Cause I, cause Taylor can participate in all off field act or all off season activities. As far as I am aware, and far yes. as what I've seen all day today. So, how do you, and I know I'm kind of backtracking, this will be the, really the last question. How do you as a coaching staff divvy up the reps? Because Lawan and Saffold have to get on the same page because once the four games are up, you got to plug Lawan right in there, right? So how yep. do you divvy that up between Saffold and Lawan and Saffold and Kelly if Kelly is indeed the guy starting off on the left side? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Um, the benefit that you have is that both of those guys played in this offense last year. And we do know that Arthur Smith is at least keeping the language and the general bones of the offense intact. I actually went back and watched uh, his introductory press conference recently just kind of as a refresher as we're getting ready to head into the season. And one of the things he did say, and it, it kind of rang out clear to me on the second watch, was – they asked what offense, you know, which offense do you plan to use? And he said, this one, you know, this is the one that he likes the best. And he mentioned that he'd been in it multiple times before um, under, uh, I think when he was coaching in college, he, he worked in the scheme. And then he uh, started off with the Redskins who also were running uh, a version of this scheme uh, during his first NFL stop. So he's seen it multiple times. And, and I think that's what we're going to stick with. So that that's a benefit to me because both Kelly and Lawan, they're not learning brand new plays. I mean, I'm sure Smith is going to put in some of his own wrinkles, that kind of thing. And you can get guys enough reps with the new stuff. Um, but mostly you're going to be working on that chemistry. I, I mean, I still think you'll see more reps for Lawan, but I would at least expect to see Kelly rotating in there, you know, probably at least once every third series or something like that. Uh, to get some some snaps over there. I think you'll see Kelly get some extended looks during the preseason um, at left tackle. So I think that's kind of how you have to balance it. You're going to have to prepare Lawan for the season, but um, you got to get re ready for Kelly or you got to get Kelly ready as well. So, I mean, it really puts you in a tough spot when, as far as that's concerned because now you're having to juggle multiple spots while you've got position battles going on at, at right guard too. So. Well, uh, thanks, Mike, for, I guess, crawling out of your uh, baseball-filled or gnat-infested baseball field and 
you know, finding a landline to call in on because I'm sure there's no internet in uh, Ufala. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm at a payphone right now. Right. So uh, this has been an emergency podcast. I guess I need to. I'll find music, and we'll edit it in later. And uh, so this podcast is going to be out tonight, and it is. Uh, what is today? Wednesday night. It's Comic Book Wednesday, so I should have known that. So uh, it'll be out tonight. Now you'll probably listen to this on your way into work tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. And guess what? We have a full podcast episode about uh, the fuller preview of the Titans training camp. We also have talk about Marcus Mariota's uh, rankings for uh, among all the quarterbacks in the league. We also have a huge stadium rumor that we uh, throw out there and talk about. Uh, it's something that you definitely want to tune in for. We also, yeah, we also have two Patreon bonus episodes that are coming out as well. Whoa. We'll put out some preview clips, but if you want to hear the full episodes, you got to go to patreon.com slash fwordspod and donate some money if you want to listen to the bonus episodes. They've already gotten some, so you're kind of missing out a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, other than that, follow us on Twitter at FWordsPod, at Mike Miracles. And this has been an emergency broadcast system broadcasted in uh, shit. I really thought I had something there. I didn't really. Uh, <laughs> you know, broadcasted in the uh, tone of F. Is that, is, that the, is that the music slang that I'm thinking of? I think of? so. Yeah? I think, yeah, maybe. Sure, yeah. why not? This is when we need the the uh, the basis from Glamper here, Keith, uh, to educate us on our music. The yes. note of F. The tenor of yeah, F? I don't know. F. Now we're just babbling. But uh, you've been F'd. You have been effed. Well, that was a short-lived break because we're back. Kevin Byard. The Titans make Kevin Byard the highest-paid safety. The news broke right as soon as we got done with the uh, Taylor Lewan podcast. Uh, the deal is for $70.5 million over five years and includes $31 million in guarantees. For those keeping score at home, that's an average of $14.1 million over that five years per year, which makes him the highest paid safety by $100,000. Um, he beat out Landon Collins, who they share the same agent, by 100000 who signed an eight-year uh, no, I'm sorry, a six-year, $84 million uh, contract earlier this offseason. And then, of course, uh, the Honey Badger signed a three-year, $42 million deal with $26.8 million guaranteed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike, I kind of find it a little inexpensive. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be a little, I think it was going to be like anywhere from 16 to 17 mil a year. This is another really good uh, John Robinson contract. What do you feel about this? Yeah, I think I think it's a great deal. Now, let me say this. The Redskins completely fucked the Titans when they signed Landon Collins to a absolutely ridiculous contract. I mean, that, that boosted Bayard's contract numbers by at least probably a million or two uh, per year. Uh, but that being said... Byard is very clearly the better player of him and Collins and very clearly the better player of him and Tyron Matthew as well. And he's way younger than Tyron Matthew. So getting him at a AAV of 
right around the same number that those guys got. I mean, it's it's a great deal for the Titans. It's a great deal for Bayard. I think it's uh, it's great news all around. Uh, March second, I tweeted out extending Bayard to a five year seventy mil seventy million dollar contract. I'm pretty fucking awesome. I think this is that's pretty what? good, right? I mean, don't when you think? Did, when did you tweet that? March second. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very so nice. I was kind of all over that this is where it was going to be, and it was, and I was think I was pretty close to. I think Kenny V was a three-year. I put Kenny V was a three-year, twenty-four million dollar contract, and I think he was very close to that as yeah. well, if I'm not mistaken. So I kind of called it. Like I just kind of want to toot my own horn that this contract well situation done. stuff. I know my safeties and I know my GM, and that is pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm so glad this is over. I almost put out a poll on Monday saying, when do you think this is going to happen? Because I thought this was going to happen before training camp started personally. And I was going to see what the fans yep. thought. And here we are, and it's done. That's a huge weight off our shoulders to me. How do you view this contract going forward as a benefit to the Titans and the salary cap? And how does this contract affect Jack Conklin and Marcus's contracts. So I think moving forward, you had to, you had to sign Bayard, right? I mean that you don't have a guy that's that young, that talented, that productive, and that good a teammate and guy off the field and let him out of the building. You pay that guy to keep him whatever it takes. And especially in a position like safety where Bayard is is probably the most valuable player on that defense just from what he does for the Titans. If he, I was looking at some numbers recently and the Titans were targeted in the middle of the field less frequently than almost any other NFL team. And that to me is a direct reflection of Kevin Byard and the respect that opposing offensive coordinators have for him. Um, Byard long-term, I think this contract, I mean, he's, he's under contract for five years. I think he's 25 years old right now, so this will take him through age 30. I think he's going to age beautifully uh, into this deal because what makes Byard so good, he's, he's a very good athlete, so don't get me wrong here, but the best thing about him is his brain and the way that he sees the field and the way that he studies and that's only going to continue to get better with more experience. And I think he's going to be an absolute star for this defense for, for years to come. And now he's paid like it. Well, I, I am happy for him. I'm happy for the Titans. I'm happy for the fans because I know he's the unofficial mayor of Murfreesboro, but this is where he's from. And this is, I, I am so happy that we have someone like Kevin Byard who went to MTSU, who is here with, and we drafted him. He's still here, and he's going to be here for another five years. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I, I am, I, I'm really at a loss for words because I'm just so happy. I like, this is to yeah. me, what you're, what you're hearing right now is like an honest reaction from a fan. This isn't analyst Zebo or, Asshole Zebo, this is just I. This is me as a fan. I am ecstatic. This is exactly what he should have gotten paid, and what I was hoping that he was going to get paid. And there's nobody on this team that deserves to be here out of the last few f draft classes that we've had more than Kevin Byard, in my opinion. 
He is a linchpin of this defense, a face of this, one of the faces of this team, and I am. I think he's a great leader. He stepped in right away, and you should reward those elite players with those kinds of contracts. Yep, absolutely. And and you mentioned the impact on like Mariota's contract and Henry's contract down the road. I I think you know when the Titans stopped short in free agency, and you know I think we were tracking it. They had somewhere around like 23 to 26 million dollars in cap space for the 2019 season left over and people were wondering oh are they going to go get on Dominican Sue are they going to go you know fill another another player into this hole here I think this is what they were saving it for all along I think that's pretty clear now um and that's what I've been thinking for a while now and it makes sense. I mean, I think they were saving that money. They're still going to have a good amount of roller over cap. And I still think they can afford to bring back the guys out of the group of Mariota, Henry Conklin, Logan Ryan, Ben Jones, like that, that group that is going to be hitting free agency next spring. They can bring back those guys that perform this year and move on from the guys that don't, I think. So I, I think they're in a good spot capitalize to be able to keep the guys that they want and if everybody performs you know it's probably going to get really tight if you try to bring the whole crew back but um i think it can be done if if they had to so well i am glad uh that you didn't go too far away in alabama uh and go clubbing or uh what is it uh square dancing as you probably would cow tipping Frog, frog gigging. Yeah, I was about to say frog gigging, so we were on the same page. So uh, <laughs> hopefully we hang up, and there's unless there's good news, hopefully we uh, I don't have to call you back. So enjoy the race, rest of your uh, work trip. And uh, as far as the efforts go, nice little secondary backdoor episode for you. So hopefully you stayed after the uh, music played. So uh, you just got F twice in the same podcast. Lucky you.